0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for...
1: Or the perfect table.
0: Hey, where are you?
2: Hey, Her Hoopstats fans, welcome to another episode of Her Hoopstats Unplugged. As always, you're here with Megan Gower, and the WNBA is officially back, tipped off last night with the Commissioner's Cup. Seattle Storm takes home the convincing 22-point victory over the Connecticut Sun for $30,000 each per player, so a big payday for the Seattle Storm and the Connecticut Sun as well, who get the remainder of that prize pool. Joel Lloyd, Brianna Stewart, and super Don't miss a beat. Coming back from the Olympics, they scored 42 points combined at the end of the third quarter. It was actually They had actually outscored the Connecticut Sun as a whole, and they get some of that much-needed rest in that final fourth quarter before taking home the Cup. So congrats to the Seattle Storm. And the Regular season is officially back this weekend on Sunday. All 12 teams are in action on Sunday, so make sure to check out that slate of games. And Unplug is also back. We took a bit of an Olympic break ourselves, but we are back this week and ready to get going for the last third of the WNBA regular season tipping off this weekend. To bring that in, I am joined today by Anila Khan from our Hoops Test team, and she's also the author of wbasketballblog.com so if you haven't checked out her site definitely go check that out hey Anila how's it going? Hi Megan how are you? I'm good I'm good excited to be back to the WNBA season after almost a month since the All-Star game I think so kind of been a nice Olympic break the podcast also took an Olympic break so I've had a nice little break here in the last month but excited to get back to it to it are you also looking forward to
1: the the end of the season? Yeah, totally. Um, I'm excited for tonight uh, for the Commissioner Cup game. I can't wait to see the Storm versus the Sun on Amazon Prime later. It'll be definitely interesting, and I'm so glad that WWE is back. And it's just gonna be fun seeing the second half, see who makes the playoffs, who like who moves up, who you know, all the good stuff. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So
2: lots to look forward to in the next was it month and a half or so before we hit, or maybe even not in like just a month till we hit the playoffs, basically, which is. Crazy to say, but lots to look forward to. And we're going to just kind of hit on some of those things that the two of us at least are looking forward to following through the, the rest of the regular season. Each team has about 10 to 11 games left in their schedule. I've all played about 20 games so far. So um, about a third of that kind of regular season slate left. And obviously there's, there's lots to follow in terms of playoff positioning and also end of the season award races and things like that going forward. So we're just going to hit on kind of some of those things that we'll be watching in the the coming weeks until we hit the playoffs. So let's start it out with the playoff positioning. I think it's kind of an interesting field right now in that, you know, you've kind of, I feel like got a top tier of like three teams in a way, but then there's really only like three and a half games separating between fourth and eighth place as well. So Pretty like kind of tight race among really all the teams that are in that playoff group as of now, at least obviously that could change kind of going into the season, but um, a a tight race going into this, which is I think going to make it interesting down the stretch here.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm excited to see how the Storm do, how the Aces do, how how the Sun do. And before we went into the break, the Minnesota Lynx were like the hottest team in the WNBA. They had won seven straight. So it'll be interesting to see if they can replicate it, especially because um, like some of their stars were in Tokyo. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see if they can replicate it. I had, I had heard good things about Kayla McBride um, doing well in practice. So now we'll just see if that happens for the Lynx, And also they will get Nailia Chanwa, who was injured before. And then she played in the Olympics healthy as well. So that will be fun. Um, As for the like teams that could make the playoffs, you have Dallas. Oh, Dallas is fun. Cause Dallas was always been like up and down, even though they lost um, three straight before the break. Um, I think they're right there. The sparks are still in it. If it's hard to believe, but Although they have lost six, they still have a slight chance. I'm not going to say they're going to make it, but slight chance. And then um, so it's going to be between Phoenix and Washington. I think people will be really excited. But there's good news that Elena Deladon, um, I'm not 100% sure if she's going to return right away. But they've, they said that she's been practicing, which is always good news. Always good to see um, a star back. And um, I'm excited to see Dallas and Washington battle it out for the last. And, and then I think Phoenix will, will, make a, will, will make the playoffs. But I'm excited to see the playoff um, battle between Washington and Dallas for the last spot.
2: Yeah, great. I think the bottom is really interesting right now, especially because I think when you look at a team like Washington that is actually like kind of in that final spot right now, but you're expecting them to get better with Deladon coming back, so that's interesting. And then even Phoenix, they're kind of at the bottom too, but you know, Diana Trossi's been out for quite an extended piece of time there, so having her back as well is going to make a big difference for them, so in a way, it's like it's going to be tight. I think. I think it's going to be hard, really, for anyone in those nine to twelve spots to really break into that playoff standing, just because I think you've got teams at the bottom of the current playoff list that are expected to be better coming out of this break than maybe they were heading into it. But like you said, I think Dallas is an interesting team. Obviously, Arike Okubole, they can score like crazy. They've got a lot of strong pieces and young pieces that have continued to get better throughout the season. So definitely not a team that I would be counting out quite yet. And even LA has played a lot of the season without the Guma K so far. So adding them back in, I don't think they're totally out of the picture either though. I think it's going to be a kind of a difficult uphill battle for LA to climb their way into the picture there.
1: Yeah, definitely. They have a harder climb just because they've lost six straight. And, um, even with the Guma case sisters, as you mentioned, um, not playing as much or they had were injured, um, it, it's. I don't mm-hmm. think Dallas is going to uh, lower or like or gonna like is gonna play. I think Dallas is gonna continue to improve. And they not only that they get Alicia Gray um, back, who just won a gold medal, so you know she'll be ready to play. And so therefore, um, I'm with you. I don't really think the Sparks, even with the both the K sisters, even if they do try to push towards um the playoff spots i think dallas has that spot eight spot locked
2: yeah i kind of agree i don't think that la is going to be you know making the push the, the full push there i think it's going to come down to dallas and the teams that are already kind of in the field as it stands right now i do almost feel like that last spot might come down to like a dallas versus new york situation i know new york is sitting at 6 right now but it kind of feels like phoenix is a team that i'm expecting to be better off the break The Mystics are a team that are expecting to be better. I guess you're expecting New York to be better, too, because they are supposed to get Natasha Howard back. But I feel like New York started off the season really hot and has kind of hit a bit of a lull kind of in the midseason. So if they can't kind of replicate that hot start coming off of the break, I think it could kind of come down to New York versus Dallas for that final playoff spot.
1: Yeah, the only reason why I have New York more secure is that um, Sabrina Ionescu, um, she's more healthier, and then uh, when you add Natasha Howard, that really helps. Michaela where An- I'm, I'm going to mispronounce her name, so I apologize, Michaela Um is like the leading con- contender for Rookie of the Year. I think she comes back strong uh, because she was rested, she didn't play. Um, so that's why I have, for at least in my opinion, New York in the playoffs
2: yeah that's fair and I think they're you know looking at some of the quotes and stuff from their their media availability kind of heading into the return of the season this weekend they seem really motivated to kind of secure that playoff spot they've defined you know success this season as making the playoffs which is obviously a big step up for a team that just won two games last year they've at least <laughs> already they're already at close to 500 and having a much better season so I think you know finishing off that run with the playoff kind of yes definitely contention is the way they're looking to go. And like you said, they've got a lot of pieces that are coming back healthier that we haven't seen as much this season so far. So I think they're definitely in a really good spot to do that too.
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) I feel like it's hard to just decipher. It's like the bottom there. It's like... It's I feel difficult. like if you want Dallas in two, it's like you want nine teams in instead of eight, but you can't have it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true, especially for this year, because it's really hard to differentiate between Nor- – in other years, you could tell, okay, these four teams are really not going to make it. But this year, it feels like, uh, I don't know, like there's a strong <laughs> case for nine yeah. of them. <laughs>
2: exactly. I feel like you've got – teams that have been are gonna whoever's in that a spot or whatever is gonna threaten to kind of come out with the win in those those um you know knockout rounds in the first couple of rounds it's it doesn't feel like there's you know I mean I think Seattle Vegas and Connecticut have really established themselves as that top tier but I think that middle and maybe Minnesota is pushing their way there but the middle tier is very kind of all over the place I mean it's you look at it it's the win column—it's a difference between eight to ten wins this season so far between Chicago and Dallas, so five through nine. It's all very close together.
1: Yeah, definitely. Although I do expect the Sky to be a little bit better, just because their players were rested. Um, they have a lot of uh, ch- like championship talent on their team, and so expect the Sky to be like with the links in terms of like determining who's going to be like the fourth. Cause I think as you mentioned that the storm aces and the sun have the, like the top three spots locked. And then I think it'll be between like the Lynx and the um, sky for fourth, just cause I feel like the sky also players also got a lot of rest, you know, Allie Quigley, Courtney VanderSloot, Candace Parker, they were all able to rest. So I think they will be good to go for like a second half push and then we'll see what happens for the rest of the teams. Yeah. Great. I feel like Chicago is,
2: We haven't really talked about this a lot in the podcast yet this year, but I feel like at the beginning of the season, we're talking about, you know, Chicago as these like big title contenders. They get Candace Parker. They have all these pieces. They're like pushing for the title run. And I don't really feel like we've seen that Chicago team that everyone was kind of expecting a lot this season. I think we saw a little bit of it before the Olympic break when Candace Parker came back. They definitely seemed to find their groove a little bit more. But yeah, hopefully with the break, some rest, some time to reset, maybe we'll see a little bit more of that kind of team that everyone was expecting out of Chicago this year in these last 10 to 11 games
1: yeah I'm definitely seeing to what they um can do especially because a lot of people including myself thought they would be a solid championship contender and so far they've kind of been like up and down to haven't been really what we thought they were gonna be
2: yeah exactly so that's uh, a team I think to keep an eye on in terms of like a sleeper to make a deep playoff run even if they do finish up like I feel like they could still even have a great rest of their season and still um, finish at, at fifth just because I think the top three teams have really established themselves and then Minnesota has also been really strong as of late but I think even if they finish in that fifth position and outside of getting a bye they're definitely a contender to make a deep playoff run regardless I think they still have the pieces to do that
1: yep definitely want to spend a little bit
2: more time on the top there because you mentioned at the top of this, and we didn't really dive into it, but Minnesota as well, you know, came into the break on a seven game win streak. So after a really rough start to the season for them, have really just kind of found it going into the break. I mean, and then, like you said, they get Natalie Atanawa back. Nafisa Collier has been much better for them down the stretch going into the break. I think me playing a little bit more like the people were expecting. Expecting to see out of her this season. She's kind of found her groove. Sylvia Fowles has obviously just been fantastic for them end to end. But a team I feel like I wouldn't count them out of that top tier quite yet. I feel like especially this coming week, they have a chance to make kind of a big splash. They got two games against Connecticut um, next week. So a chance for them to really move up into that top tier, I think, in the next week as well.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to see how they do too. Um, I'm just I want to see what um Fowles will, can do. I want to see what um Caleb McBride can do off the break. So yeah, I agree with you. I think they're a team to watch for along with the Sky to like try to make a push for the top 3, but um ultimately I do think the Storm are able to hold on as the um although they're really tough, looking at the top 3 or 4 teams to hold off um, the, for the storm to hold off the aces because the aces stars are well except for asia wilson they're pretty much well rested like liz Cambage did not go um to the olympics so you know she's gonna be ready to play especially <laughs> after all the stuff that came out against her so you know she's gonna come and try to like prove herself so and the sun have um players and um majority of them like didn't play in the olympics they just rested and so they're pretty good to go too so yeah, I'm interested to see how this top top group um, remains uh, moving forward and towards the second half of the schedule.
2: Yeah, I think that's going to be an interesting thing to kind of keep an eye on in, down the stretch here is those two teams that are at the top have had most of their players rested, whereas Seattle has had something crazy like five players that played in the Olympics between Team USA and um, you know Australia. So they've had a lot of their their team that have been in Tokyo and haven't really gotten that rest. So I think that's going to be a storyline to keep an eye on as you go down the season is, are those players a little bit more tired? And does that cause Seattle to slip a game or two and before heading into this, the um, playoffs and maybe also, does it does it not really matter, right? Are they going to be in contention for that first or second spot? So do you try to rest some of those stars a little bit down the stretch of the season so that you're more ready for the playoffs?
1: Yeah, definitely. And, um, it's going to be interesting to see how they manage their minutes and, and how they like make sure that, that they're still on, like still one of the top teams, but make sure that they're also getting their players the opportunity to just like relax a little bit because they've, as you mentioned, all five of their players went to the Olympics, and they, they need, do need a little bit of a break, especially because they're just about to play a game in like two hours or so, and, and it's only been five days since the Olympics ended, so that should be interesting uh, moving forward. Yeah, I'm like honestly so impressed with
2: them because I feel like I'm still trying to like readjust my sleep schedule to just trying to watch the Olympics, let alone play the Olympics in Japan, and they're already back in the US and have to play a basketball game tonight. So hats off to them.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm totally with you. I like I was doing the whole staying up till three, getting up till till um, but then like getting up early as well to watch like portions of the Olympic events, and I'm just like, yeah, I have no idea how how they're gonna do this
2: (laughs) yeah crazy
1: (laughs) so I don't envy them at all for having
2: to play tonight but (laughs) I I am excited for the game at least (laughs) yeah it's gonna be fun yeah so I feel like we kind of covered everyone from a team perspective but I think the other major storylines kind of going down the stretch is you know some of the major end of the season awards that are definitely quite a bit up in the air I feel like at the moment I think obviously the most exciting one usually is is MVP and I feel like to me this is kind of like a three-way tie between Stewie Asia Wilson and John Cole Jones so far I feel like it's so hard it's basically splitting hairs trying to determine which of those three players is going to get it I feel like I'd give the edge to John Cole Jones but she does have those couple games that she missed that I think probably hurt her case a little bit so I think kind of seeing which of those three players can continue playing at a high, as high of a level as they were in the first 20 or so games of the season down the stretch is going to be really key to who wins MVP. And quite frankly, it might come down to which of those teams finishes in that top spot.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think um, as you mentioned, it's between John Paul Jones, Asia Wilson, who was last year's MVP um and Brianna Stewart, and I agree with you. I, I think I have Jonquil Paul Jones just a slight lead up against the other two, but it's it could change any point. I mean, Brianna Stewart could come in, even though she's had hardly any rest and still dominate. Same with Asia Wilson. They could both do it. And then um, even though Jones was off, um, she could be like a little bit rusty coming back. So you never know. I think it'll be it's fun, and I do agree with you. It's between – um those two for sure between stewart and jones and then i'm putting asia wilson as well just because she's a reigning mvp and her team is um currently second in the league so it'll be fun to see who um emerges from those three as the like the lead mvp candidate and then we're like oh right this is the gonna be the 2021 wma um mvp
2: yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be interesting. One of the kind of the key storylines down the stretch here, especially at the top of the league, is going to be kind of which of those players can really differentiate themselves in these last 10 games or so and, and kind of sneak out that edge. I feel like it could be if things kind of go as they have for the first two-thirds of the season, it could be very close at the end. It's going to be it might be one of those more contended MVP votes where it's like a, a decided by a vote or two or something like that. So I think that's going to be interesting. There are still 10 games left, though, so I wanted to talk about a couple of the fringe players as well that maybe have had their name tossed in that kind of arena of MVP candidates that maybe could make a push down the stretch. I think it's kind of unlikely at this point, but I feel like it's at least worth talking about. I feel like Tina Charles is a player that name has come up in that conversation quite a bit because she has been putting up such insane numbers for the Washington Mystics, but to me one with the Mystics being sitting at eighth in the standings and then also with the return of Elena Daldon at some point here, which is going to probably take some of the load off of Tina Charles. It seems hard for me for her to make her way into that kind of like top tier of candidates for it.
1: Yeah, I agree just because it might be a little bit tougher for vote for voters to decide between which of the two players are actually making the biggest impact, especially if um, Elena Daldon returns. So Um, yeah, I think she has like an outside shot because of what, uh, as you mentioned, as what she put up in the first half of the season, but also the Mystics are currently eighth and they're battling with Dallas to stay eight in the, in the playoffs. And so I think, um, like the voters might be like, oh, well, I don't really think this is an MVP candidate if their team is just, um, trying to make the playoffs. So for me, she's on the outside
2: Yeah, I think another kind of set of players that I could see make it if like Minnesota continues this push and maybe pushes their way into a second place finish in the league or something, I could see Sylvia Fowles or Nafisa Collier kind of inserting themselves into that conversation down the stretch. I don't know if there's enough time for one of them to really take over as the favorite and win it, but I can see one of the two of them at least pushing themselves into the conversation.
1: Yeah, I agree, and I already have Sylvia Fowles among my um, leaders for Defensive Player of the Year just because she's always been good at it. She's always been great at it, and, I, and this year has been no exception. So she's already like one of my leaders for um, Defensive Player of the Year, and I think Nafisa Collier could also, I agree with you, make a case. And it'll be interesting to see like what what the um, what they can do against the top teams in the league and what Nafisa Collier can provide for the team moving forward for Minnesota to
2: crack the top three. Yeah, exactly. And I think kind of the first part of that coming back to those Sun games next week are going to be, I feel like a huge part of that in one, and trying to make up some of that difference between fourth and third place. And then also the kind of performances you get from Fowles or Collier against a team like Connecticut, especially a team like Connecticut that just has such a strong front court seeing them, what kind of performances they can string together against that could go a long way in that conversation.
1: Yep, definitely
2: agree. So another one of those kind of end of the season awards that I feel like is still a bit up in the air is the Rookie of the Year race. Michaela Añuere, I think, is right now the favorite, at least in my book, and <laughs> I've hoping she stays up because everyone that listens to this knows I'm a huge fan of hers. And also I called that at the beginning of the season. So I would like to be able to brag about it, but I do think that she started out really hot and then kind of cooled down a little bit for the Liberty. So I think there's a chance for someone else to make a big splash in these last 10 games, 10 games and kind of steal that award away from her. But I think it is kind of hers to be lost right now.
1: Yeah. I've had her for rookie of the year since, um, Since the beginning of the season, just because she started off so strongly and she was able to maintain it. And another thing that ultimately decides the rookie of the year is, unfortunately, playing minutes. So a lot of the rookies have not gotten the minutes. So it's hard to tell which exactly which rookies could um, perform had they been given more playing time. Like, for example, DeJanae Carrington, I think she would have also... Um, been a stronger candidate. Like I think she'll be an, uh, like on the all rookie team when they announce it at the end of the season. But like, let's say she had gotten more minutes, I think she would have been competing with maybe Michaela Onionway for the rookie of the year award. Just because I think she's been um, like she's had good minutes for the Connecticut Sun. But then again, the Connecticut Sun are very um, talented, and they um, so therefore she's not going to get as many minutes as she would <laughs> like on maybe on New York. So, I mean, and also her teammate Diddy Richards has been really great defensively, and she's also been like, um, had an impact, not as much as Michaela has, but she's also one of the faces that I have for like all rookie team, just because of what she's been able to do when she's been given the minutes and as well defensively against some of the top players. So I've been impressed with her.
2: Yeah, I feel like Didi Dee Dee Richards is always such an interesting player to me because she doesn't have the flashy offensive numbers, so she, I feel like she gets overlooked a lot because of that because people so often just focus on scoring and things like that, and without that, you kind of just don't jump off the page, especially because we just don't have a lot of great stats that kind of quantify defense, but you're right. She has been fantastic defensively. No surprise coming out of a player that won defensive player of the year in the NCAA has always been a really strong defensive force for Baylor, but I agree. I think she's a rookie that's impressed me. Um, in terms of her performance in New York, she's been a big impact maker for them as well, defensively, and part of why New York is sitting there at six versus last place last season.
1: Yeah, she's been great at any time the the Liberty of needed stops or just like a, like an infusion of energy when they need it. Exactly. Yeah, I think the other players kind of on the radar for
2: that are probably Charlie Collier in Dallas, someone that also Dallas is a young team. There's been a little bit more opportunity. She hasn't done anything like crazy wild yet that I think's making her like compete with McAlef necessarily for the award. But I think she's got an opportunity. She steps it up in these last 10 games or so and Dallas makes a push for the playoffs. She could be in the conversation and, I also feel like Arie McDonald is an interesting candidate just because with the situation in Atlanta, which admittedly, I don't really know much about at this point. I don't think really anyone does, but as far as I know, Kennedy Carter is still suspended indefinitely. So there could be an opportunity for McDonald to step up down the stretch here too.
1: Yeah. That's a great point about Ari McDonald. She definitely could um, turn some heads, especially because the dream are um, currently not um, in towards in the, playoff picture. So, if she could get that those minutes, she could actually do something. She was actually doing well too. So, if she gets those minutes and she's able to do something then, yeah, she definitely can challenge Michaela Onionbury for rookie of the year. That's a solid point. Um it'll be interesting to see how many minutes she gets and what and what happens. And the Dream are in a very weird situation right now, so it's hard to tell exactly what's going to happen in the second half of this season and what they're going to do and all of that. I mean, they lost four before the break, so um, and they're, they're 11 teams in the league right now. So there are a lot of question marks, as, as you stated. We don't exactly know a whole lot. So we'll, it'll be interesting to see moving forward if she does get those minutes. Yeah, for sure. I still think it's Michaela's to lose, I think, as long as Mikaela
2: Anuori comes out and does what she's been doing all season long. For the Liberty, it's probably going to be her award, but I do do think it's at least interesting to kind of see if any other rookie can really turn it off, turn it on in these last 10 games and insert themselves into the conversation, because I feel like it's not much of a conversation right now. It's kind of like, yeah, it's Michaela's award, so can we make it a conversation before the end of the season? Yeah, definitely. Other major awards, any strong takes on we well, already mentioned Sylvia Fowles for defensive player of the year. I feel like her or Brittany Griner would be my favorites for that one. Kind I don't think I'm missing anyone there. I feel like those two players to me have kind of been the biggest standouts defensively.
1: Yeah. Uh, for me, for most improved player of the year, it has to be Brianna Jones from Connecticut. The way she was able to elevate her play when she was given a higher uh, bigger, uh, minutes and the way she was more confident, the way she's attacking the basket. Yeah, she's definitely improved her game from a previous seasons. So for me, she's leading the way for uh, most improved player of the year.
2: Yeah, for me too. I think she's just kind of the clear flavor to me there. When you look at the windshare standings in the league right now, she's fourth, which is kind of insane. Like, basically, if Jonko Jones wasn't on the team, you would maybe have to have her in the MVP conversation. But obviously, JJ is the clear kind of MVP of the Sun. But Brianna Jones is right there behind her in the windshares and has just been fantastic for the Sun this season. I think I really have a hard time picking anyone else's most improved.
1: Yeah, and um, you can tell by her confidence and her ability to, like, um, when they start need a basket, they sometimes go to her, and she's been given a, a bigger role than she was a year ago or even two years ago. For sure.
2: I feel like the last kind of major one on the court, at least that we haven't talked about, is six women of the year, um, which I feel like is interesting because I feel like it's kind of between two Vegas players, which is yeah. odd to have two players on the same team dying for that award.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I think I know which two you're talking about. It's pretty <laughs> obvious. <laughs> yeah.
2: So yeah, I mean, in case people who are listening don't know, it's kind of between Dierka Hamby and Kelsey Plum. So I think that's going to be an interesting thing to keep an eye on down the stretch. Hamby has been fantastic off the bench, as she always is. But Kelsey Plum has also had, I think, her strongest season in the W so far. She's coming off an Olympic gold medal. She could definitely make it a push for that kind of award down the stretch here as well.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you on this. I think um, Kelsey's confidence as well is going to be at all-time high after just winning gold in the... Three by three um, competition. So she's going to be ready to play and she looks really good. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see who, which players, I mean, which uh, player the voters vote for in terms of between Kelsey and Dierka. I think they've both um, showed that what they, they can do off the bench. Um, so um, I, I wonder if they're going to pick Dierka for again or they might go, okay. I think it's time to vote for Kelsey. So that's a race definitely to watch for.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think that one's going to be kind of one of the more interesting ones down the stretch here. I think it's going to be pretty contentious. I forgot to mention too, I think Brianna Brianna Jones is the clear favorite for most improved, but I feel like there's an Aces player that deserves a shout out there too in Jackie Young because I think she's having kind of the first season that you know when she was the number one pick, I think this is what people were expecting out of her and we've really seen that on the court this season so i think it still has to be brianna jones to get that award but i feel like jackie young at least deserves a shout out there oh yeah for sure so yeah speaking of jackie young and kelsey
1: plum did you watch three on three at all in the olympics um, I just watched like a little bit. I'm not like, I've, I didn't watch a whole lot. I was too concerned with how I'm uh, seeing as I'm Canadian. I was just watching all the Canadian performances. So I'm just being honest. I, I know, that's fair.
2: <laughs> I was just going to say, I think like three on three basketball is. I, the Olympics is admittedly the first time I've ever watched like a three on three game. I never watched it in the kind of phases leading up to it. And it's so fast paced and so fun. I think it's something I'm looking forward to being in the Olympics in the future. But I feel like I think it's also part of like they have three on three World Cups and things like that. So I think it's something I'll be turning into in the future. i that was my, one of my biggest takeaways from the Olympics. Is three on three basketball is a lot of fun to watch. So if anyone else didn't watch it during the Olympics, highly suggest it. Very so quick. you stayed
1: up at four a.m. or three a.m. Yeah. I like think.
2: Well, I didn't always watch it live. I will know. No, it was no. it's kind of hard to get up at four a.m. for a game that you know is only going to last ten minutes. Um, so I did watch it after the fact a lot of the time, but it is a lot of fun to watch. So I think you know something I'll be watching going forward. I, I did really enjoy that.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. That sounds cool yeah All right, cool. we're like right at 30 minutes is there anything else you wanted to hit on that i didn't bring up um just the coach of the year for me is noelle quinn from seattle storm i think she recently signed an extension with them um just she's done a really great job she's kind of got thrust into the role <laughs> she's just handled it with grace and done well
2: yeah no i think that's a very good point as well you know kind of someone that's new to the role, still coaching the number one team in the league. So really impressive from her. I agree that she's the coach of the, the year to me as well. I think the other person that might be in the conversation for that is Walt Hopkins for the New York Liberty, just because they are so far ahead of where they were last year. But I also think that has, in my opinion, at least more to do with the, the change in talent than the, maybe necessarily the coaching. So yeah, I would give it to Seattle as well. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Aniela, for joining me.
1: No uh, no problem.
2: Well, that's all for today's episode. As always, make sure you rate, like, subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. Also, make sure you check out the stat site, hergroupstats.com. Got all your WNBA stats for the remainder of the season, as well as your NCAA basketball stats for the upcoming college season. We're only about three months out from that, as crazy as that sounds. Also, make sure you subscribe to our free newsletter on Substack to get all our best content in your inbox. And make sure you're following us on social at HerHoopStats on all platforms. Thanks again for listening.